Before we start this week's podcast, we'd like to encourage our listeners to consider donating to the NAACP Legal Defense and Education Fund. It's a nonprofit organization that fights for racial justice. Through litigation, advocacy, and public education, they seek structural changes to expand democracy, eliminate disparities, and achieve racial justice in a society that fulfills the promise of equality for all Americans. Visit www.naacpldf.org to donate to an incredibly important cause. Hello, friends. Welcome back to the Drinking and Talking Fantasy Football Podcast. You have your dynamic duel of hosts here in the captain's chair, so to speak, Dustin Luntz. Good evening, everyone. Uh, across from me, my co-pilot, Jake Trowbridge. How are you doing tonight, sir? Oh, captain, my captain. This is going to be an hour-long recap of that uh, Robin Williams movie, isn't it? Is that what we're actually doing tonight? Which Robin Williams movie? The uh, the Dead Poet Society. Oh is, yeah, is that what this is? Yeah, I hope not. I thought that was what you put <laughs> on the show sheet, but I couldn't tell. No, no, that was that was for my other podcast I'm doing. I screwed you him up. Cheating <laughs> son of a bitch. I'm kidding, folks. I don't have another podcast. I know how much you'd love it. It's I only have time for the one. Uh, we've got a great show for y'all this evening. Uh, we are talking about overperforming players. Uh, uh, players so far this season that have done better than we've expected. And we're going to talk through some of these players, highlighting ones we want to talk about, and then what we think we should do with them the rest of the season. Are they a sell-high candidate? Is it someone you should hold on to? Why should you hold on to them if you do? Uh, and, and how we think maybe they're going to finish, if they're going to continue on this trajectory they've been on, or are they going to let you down? So that's what we're doing tonight. But as always, before we get into it, what are we drinking tonight? Jake, looks like you're holding up something tasty there to the camera. Yes, tasty and on a lovely swirly glass. Uh, so shout out to the Club Fantasy crew. When I was on their podcast this last week, they specifically requested that I drink something a little outside my norm uh, and a little foofier. Jokes on them, I drink foofy shit all the time. <laughs> so this is a mezcal uh, margarita. With Trader Joe's Mezcal, only the best in this household. Got to get that Trader Joe's. Uh, And some blood orange liqueur. So it's a little fancy. Uh, Just so everyone knows, Trader Joe's is not a sponsor. As of yet, we would love to have you as a sponsor, Trader Joe's. If you're out there, uh, please hit us up. We would love to sponsor you and all your products. Send more Mezcal. That's right. (laughs) What are you drinking, Dustin? I am drinking um, from... Sagatuck Brewing Company, their Cottonmouth Crusher. It's a raspberry sour ale. Uh, have you had this before, Jake? I've not had this, but I love Sagatuck Brewing. Mm-hmm. I've had some of, they have like a good dessert beer selection. Yeah, the Neop- Neapolitan stout. Uh, that is tasty. But yeah, this is just a uh, raspberry sour, 6%, not too bad. Um, it's a little bit more sour than I'm used to. It's not like a Berliner Weiss sour, so it's, it's kicked up the sourness a little bit. My first couple sips, it really made me pucker a bit because I wasn't used to it. Uh, but but it is very good. It's got a nice raspberry flavor, a nice multi base to it. I I really like it. It's, it's, it's pretty good. Can I just say how I love that you're coming around on all things sour? Well, not all things sour, no. but Compare from your time last year 
to now mm-hmm. it is i mean night and day you're all about that sour life i love it yeah it's they're very refreshing which is what i really like it's it's not cloying it's not just you can have more than a couple and not feel horrible about yourself because they're usually you know, lower in abv which is nice uh as opposed to those stouts and porters that can be you know eight nine percent uh so so that's why i like them it's like i said they're very refreshing i like that there's going to be plenty of time for those heavy beers come the long winter. So, yes, very yeah. soon from the from the looks of it here. Uh, well, fuck us, right? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So should we move on, Jake, here and talk about our drunk, 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 hammer, drunk, 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 drunk trade of the week. Absolutely, we should. So this week's drunk trade comes in from Reddit. User Caddy2455, meow, uh, traded Lamar for Mahomes, for the uninitiated, that's Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Thank you. Traded them straight up at a Hooters last year. So, you know, already off to just a, a bomb start there. Uh, but so for reference, traded away Lamar, got Mahomes. So Mahomes, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I, I just want to get some clarification here. Does the Hooters play uh, a main uh, part in this trade, or is it just more of a reference point that that this person was at a Hooters? Does, I assume. Does this person want us to know, like, hey, I was at a Hooters. They have great wings type deal. I just, I assume anytime <laughs> anybody tells me specifically they went to a Hooters that it factors in greatly to the decision making for that day. All right. Cuz you have to make some very uh iffy decisions to put yourself there in the in the first place. Yeah. Um <laughs> but hey, look, I'm I'm just the uh the transcriber here. I'm just reading off what they what Caddy 2455 tells me, Dustin. All right. Uh, I'm the I'm the intermediary here. <laughs> So anyways, traded away Lamar, got Mahomes at a Hooters. Mahomes broke his kneecap the very next week. So that is the time frame that we're looking at here, about Mm -hmm. uh, early mid part of of last year. Mm -hmm. The kicker, he says, I forgot that Lamar Jackson had 16th round keeping rights and Mahomes had none. So That's what I wanted to highlight in this. Obviously a keeper league. Uh, which we don't talk about too much uh, of uh, keeper leagues here. Uh, it's that that quasi between redraft and dynasty. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, you know first blush. Other than the Hooters, uh, Lamar for Mahomes, not a bad trade. I mean, really, it's a a, a horse a, a horse in one hand and a horse in another type deal. What what? How's that expression go? I forget. I don't know. <laughs> I never want you to know how the actual saying goes. Now, just always say that forever. Uh, but yeah, really, it's what six dimes in one hand and sixty pennies in the other. Is, is that the is that the saying? Sure, I don't know, but don't let's know. go with but it. Basically, these are glorious. You need to write a book of all of your sayings. Basically, what I'm trying to say is. It doesn't matter. They're both great quarterbacks. You should have should have been happy with Lamar, especially how he was playing last year. Mahomes, great quarterback. Uh, he was playing well up until he you know broke his kneecap. It was really just a, a, a toss up of who you like better, I suppose, uh, or who you thought maybe had less of an injury risk with Lamar and his running. The irony is that Mahomes, you know, that did a QB sneak and broke his kneecap. So um, yeah, but but then you throw in that whole 16th round keeper. That is the killer. That's that just makes it a very poor trade. I mean, real really, in the end of the day, you still have Mahomes. It's not like you're in that bad of shape. Uh, but but losing out on that 16th round uh, 
designation for Lamar, uh, where you could essentially get two first rounders then, uh, is yeah, that, that, that's where it's the old kick in the shorts. That, that is especially what I wanted to highlight. Cause like, even, I mean, look at them this year mm-hmm. so far, you're certainly getting the better end of that deal because Patrick Mahomes through seven weeks is QB three. Lamar Jackson has had some down times here and is QB 16. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's a big golf for this year. Um, so there's, there's the silver lining is that for this year so far, this is working out for you, but in terms, now they didn't specify if this is a two QB league, super flex, what right. it is. I'm assuming it is. That's just going to make it more fun for us to talk about here. Uh, but the keeper thing is so, so rough. A 16th mm-hmm. round, like you said, it's free money. It's found money. You have a, I still believe Lamar is going to bounce back. He's going to oh, be an incredible QB going forward. Uh, but yeah, you had to now keep Mahomes or, well, no, you had to likely, I guess, redraft Mahomes in the first round to keep him. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that person did, um, potentially. But this is so key. If you're drinking and trading, pay attention to your league settings. Pay attention so hard to... This is true even if you're not drunk trading, even if you're just regular trading. Like, here's an example. I'm in a dynasty league where there is a quarter point per carry for running backs. Important to know. That so often gets overlooked when people are thinking about trades, especially if you're in multiple leagues. I'm in five leagues, say, hypothetically, and this is the only league that has that. It's easy to get trapped up in the regular leagues that you're in that Mm -hmm. don't have that, and then that can impact how you make those trades in the other leagues. So just be mindful of your settings at all times is the lesson here. Yes, very much so. Okay. Should we do a brief injury update here before getting into the heart and soul of this week's episode? I guess. This is always my biggest bummer part of these episodes. I know. But we got to let our folks know out there, our listeners, if you haven't heard already, you just got to keep an eye on these guys. So Kenny and Drake, uh, looks like he's going to miss a few weeks at a minimum here. Uh, I think they were still waiting on the MRI. I haven't seen anything updated as of yet on that, uh, which is really disappointing for me because as we were talking this weekend, I was hoping he was going to have another big game and then try to trade him while he was uh, performing well. And that just really put it down the old toilet for me here. Uh, Chris Carson uh, injured his foot as well. Uh, He's more considered week to week, though, at this point. Uh, Definitely not out or not ruled out as of yet. Uh, Could be a multiple week injury we or missing time i should say we don't know yet so definitely keep an eye on that as the week progresses this one hurts a lot uh obj tore his acl out for the season uh, i really feel bad for the guy I, I know obj is a very polarizing player out there for some of his shenanigans and stuff he's he's done but uh you hate to see a talent like that that continues to be racking up the injuries at this point of his career. Uh, it's been multiple seasons now and just hasn't performed at that high level like we like. Uh, I guess and Silver- we were talking this weekend, too, you know, because we, we watched the games together. Spoiler alert. Uh, almost always we watch <laughs> the games over Sundays. And we were talking about Michael Thomas got brought up. We we're talking about how, like, Michael Thomas is such a goddamn prima donna mm-hmm. and has all of these tendencies that had been put on OBJ for so long. And like you were saying, like, really, what's his most egregious thing been the last couple of years? He kicked that net and then he proposed to it the next week. Yeah. Like, like that's that... really, and people have hated the guy.
guy ever since, basically. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the media in New York, specifically that was covering the Giants, kind of blew some shit out of proportion, I think. And the guy's just had a bad rap. I was excited personally for him to turn things around. Mm-hmm. I was trying to invest uh, a lot of my teams to get a stake of Odell. And seeing what Baker did this last Sunday, throwing five touchdowns and crushing against Cincinnati, he could have been doing that with Baker on the field. But unfortunately, Baker gets injured right away, and now we don't get to see what that turnaround could look like for him. So it just sucks. Yes, it does. Um, Next one, Deontay Johnson. I don't have how long he's going to be out or what his injury is. For some reason, I missed him. So this is really good podcasting here while I uh, (laughs) attempt to look this up. Um, As always, Uh... we use pro football reference for their injuries. Uh, so go check them so out. So blame them is what you're saying, Dustin. No, no, blame no. Blame them for <laughs> I am for not saying this. any such thing. Uh, and this is... To be fair, I still don't see... I, I've been scrolling through Twitter. I don't see what the specific issue is. It was a fourth quarter injury, um, but the specifics were not known at that time. I still don't see any update on this. So it's not on you or on Pro Football Focus. Let's just assume for now, keep an eye on him, but he could very well play this weekend. Okay, fair enough. We will leave it at that. Uh, Andy Dalton, vicious hit, concussion. Uh, he was out of the game after that. Keep an eye on it. I haven't heard if he's going to be able to make it through the concussion protocol or not. I would kind of be surprised if he did. Uh, this is apparently his first reported concussion uh, of his career, so maybe he will bounce back, but that was a pretty vicious hit that he had. So uh, definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, Brashad Perryman also out with a concussion. Again, haven't heard an update on that. See how it progresses over the week. Uh, Philip Lindsay, concussion. Again, keep an eye on it. Uh, Jeff Wilson, Mr. I'm going to score all the points. What the fuck, Jeff? Uh, <laughs> you go and do that, and now you're hurt. God yes. damn it. Yeah, hurt his ankle. Sounds like he's going to miss uh, this next week for sure. Uh, might be multiple weeks at this point. So uh, keep an eye on that. And then poor Debo Samuel. Pulled his hamstring. Uh, not sure exactly what's going to be happening there. His timetable for return uh, didn't sound overly serious at this point, but uh, you have to wonder if this has anything to do with his foot injury from earlier in the season. I don't know if it was the same same side of the body or not, uh, or maybe he was overcompensating. But yeah, you don't like to see this, and and he's still still just trying to get through these injuries. So. Um, According to Pro Football Reference, uh, no no return date as of yet. So most likely he's going to be missing this week, which is unfortunate. And then uh, one I didn't have on here that popped up today I saw was Chris Godwin. He's out this week, already ruled out for the game. So uh, fire up your shares of Mike Evans and A.B. apparently. Uh, we buried the lead. A.B. is back. Uh, officially signed with Tampa Bay today. Uh <laughs> What do you I feel? will bury that lead all day long because I hate talking about Antonio Brown, quite frankly. I'm just I'm done with Antonio Brown being a part of the NFL life, quite frankly. If anybody, you know, I'm a big believer in second chances as a general concept. In theory, I like second chances. I, I, I'm hesitant about Antonio Brown coming back into the mm-hmm. league. Let's put it that way. Yes, I agree. He, of all the players getting second or third chances in the league, it's this guy when, as we were, again, talking this weekend, guys like Josh Gordon, uh, he, he was reinstated in the league or went to, to ask to get back in the league. 
uh, like 160 some days ago at this point, And the commissioner still hasn't addressed it. It's like, really? Come on. Yeah, so. the guy's been getting bounced in and out of the league because of a little bit of weed for seven years now. Damn yeah. near close. Like, it, it, yeah, it's just ridiculous. So the less breath that we could waste, quite frankly, on talking about Antonio Brown, that's what I would like to do. But it's noteworthy. And of course, it has to be mentioned. Yes. Okay. So do we move on? Are you done talking about that? <laughs> I am fully done talking about that. But before we get into the meat of our episode, which again is the overperforming players that we're going to talk about, this week's episode is brought to you by Wild CBD. Wild produces the best tasting edibles on the market using real fruit and all natural flavoring. With flavors inspired by the Pacific Northwest, high quality ingredients, real fruit, and consistent dosing, Wild has become one of the leading cannabis edible producers in the country. Wild's new CBD line currently offers real fruit infused gummies in blackberry, huckleberry, lemon, and raspberry. Still no schnozberry, goddamn. Gotta it. get on. And it. CBD <laughs> infused sparkling waters. Each gummy is dosed with 25 milligrams of CBD and can be purchased in a bottle of 10 or 20. Wild is offer- offering our listeners 30% off their next purchase from wildcbd.com. That's W Y L D CBD.com. Use the code POD for 30% off your next purchase. It's a great deal, folks. Go out and get yourself some CBD today. Talking about Josh Gordon, what a segue. That is why you're a professional, Jake. <laughs> All right, so we are we are talking overperforming players and how we see the rest of the season going for them. Are they good trade-away targets, trade-high targets, or should you be keeping them on your team? Are they going to help you make that push to the championship or not? Uh, and for me specifically, I'm, I'm looking at this as a more redraft-focused segment here uh i don't know about you jake but all these guys i'm looking at more in the lens of the remainder of this season not necessarily their long-term or dynasty outlook uh by any stretch of the imagination so why don't yeah that's my main focus as well i do want to say i might throw out a couple of notes just to extend if people are interested in dynasty Mm -hmm. in that section of it but yeah redraft i mean we're in the heart of redraft season people that's right so jake why don't you kick us off here Perfect. I would love to, because you know who I want to talk about? Somebody that I'm positive our listener base is absolutely sick and tired of hearing us talk about, and it's Joe Mixon. So I'm going to try and keep this as quick as possible, because I do not want this to be the Hate Joe Mixon podcast, but it is super relevant right now in this episode. I'm okay with it. You heard it here. Hashtag Dustin hates Joe. Um, but we are, again, basically midpoint of the season right now for fantasy. Fantasy championships and playoffs even included here. What do we think about Joe Mixon? Well, if you're just looking at the overall stats and the overall finish, honestly, Joe Mixon looks good. He is the RB13 by this point. So after seven weeks, he's the RB13. That's really good. I can't shake a stick at that. And, you know, no... He's not an RB1 like people were hoping he would be or a high RB1. Just had to get that nudge in there. But he looks good. I I mean, that stat line looks great. So if you have him on your roster or if you're eyeing him on other people's rosters, it's like, oh, man, running back 13, maybe I should consider even trading for him at this point if you don't have him. Not so fast. Not so fast. Because more than 42% of his fantasy points came from one game. In week four against Jacksonville, almost half of his production 
for fantasy. One game. Now, again, mathematics, we are after week seven here. To have it that high of a ratio is not good. That's not good. That's not no, what that's you... Not yes, for that for that week, Dustin, you would have been super excited mm-hmm. to start him, right? Now, right. maybe in the first three weeks, you, you, you might have been turned off enough to not even start him if you really had better options going into that week. Likelihood of that's pretty low, but it's possible because through the first three weeks, he was... Real bad. And I mean real bad. So coming out of that, you were hopefully thinking at week four, oh boy, Joel has turned a corner here. So he's going to bail me out now. I'm so glad I invested that first round pick in him because here he comes. The offense is gelling. We talked all ad nauseum about the rookie quarterback and all the issues that the Bengals had to overcome. And maybe you thought out of week four that, They've got it figured out, and now they know how to use him. And and yes, Mixon missed a game, so of course that's worth noting. He missed uh, this most recent game, and Giovanni Bernard stepped in. But just saying that when, again, 42% of your six-game sample size comes out of one game, that's not a guy I can trust. And the fact that he's still he's dealing with an injury now mm-hmm. so what does he look like when he comes from back from that does he look at even anything close to what he looked in the in the weeks five and six you know when he again coming off of that stellar game where he was still uh relevant you know he was relevant he was mm-hmm. an rb2 in those couple of games so that's fine but again now you add this injury mystery onto it you see that they are not backing away from geo when bernard is in the game I don't I don't know that there's a, a a possible better sell high candidate in my mind than Joe Mixon right now for redraft. I am all about getting him off my roster um, because I, I don't see a world where he comes back and he continues to put up close to RB1 production. And maybe that was an oversell. He'll be close. <laughs> he could be close. Uh, and he'll have spike weeks probably where you'll, again, like week four, you'll be happy that you mm-hmm. started him. But like another type of boom bust guy like Amari Cooper used to be, how many of those are you going to get right? How many of those down games do you have to suffer through before you get the the gold? I'm not willing to suffer through that. So, yes, he's outperformed my expectations. I think both of our expectations based on our offseason hatred of Joe Mixon. But I'm not I'm I'm not willing to concede that this is what he looks like moving forward. Hopefully that's not me just being stubborn. Yeah, I am right there with you. And I mean, to be fair. I didn't think I, I didn't I didn't like Joe Mixon's draft position. You you were drafting him to be probably what a top eight, top seven, eight running back when you're drafting him. Um, and I I just didn't see the path for that, uh, regardless of all the talent that he has or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I, I should really keep well, my disdain for him. I fucking love that. Uh, but but really, I, I didn't I didn't see the path for him to to warrant that draft capital uh in in redraft this this coming season he he's always been more highly touted than he's actually produced and there's been a lot of excuses for that uh around the cincinnati team being being bad let's be honest they've just been poor uh and he is performing well this year but he's still outside that top 12 running back position um and this is even with some of those big names being injured with CMC and Barkley, uh, you know, some of those other big name running backs. So the fact that he still hasn't been able to crack the top 12 uh, is concerning. And like you said, this that stat, the the 42 percent of his points came in one week. It's like, oof! if, if it was down to his average, he would be 
a low-end running back to at this point, you know, and that's just, yeah, that's just not good. So would you trade him? I mean, I know we talked about coming into this. These aren't all guys that we're looking to just trade away. We're just trying to analyze and see why they outperformed. But like for me, it's a it's a no brainer because name value to me still is going to get somebody to bite on Joe Mixon in redraft. Yeah, I think you can try to trade him right now. Uh, if you could get someone, maybe you know that that's one of those underproducing players we talked about last week. Go back and listen. That's right. Yeah, if you could, if you could maybe target one of them that's in the same tier, maybe as as Joe Mixon, or maybe in that fifteen to twenty range for RB, uh, that you can say, hey, you're getting a good deal, but you know, and 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 just go for that then, uh, and and hopefully one of those one of those guys you you trade for will then start producing, and you'll end up with a better running back to end the season. I like it. I love when we agree, Dustin. It makes me so happy. I would say it's about a 50-50 proposition that we do, but you you just you just never know at this point. So That's thank true. you for emboldening my take there. Now, who You're do you want to talk up. about? <laughs> first person on my list, and, and these are in no particular order for me by any means. Uh, first person I want to talk about is Nelson Aguilar. Uh, he has been on fuego the last few weeks here. Uh, he has been in double-digit scoring for fantasy points the last three weeks against some pretty good defenses. Uh, three weeks ago, he had Buffalo scored 10.4 Kansas city a couple weeks ago, 12.7 Tampa Bay. This last week, 16.7 things are trending up for him. I don't see this continuing by any stretch of the imagination. Obviously a change of scenery from Philly has been good for him. Uh, and he's obviously a much better fit in this offense than, than what he was in Philadelphia. However, they have so many weapons on that team uh, and, and that have been injured. So I, I think he has been the beneficiary of that. And the big thing, too, with him, he scored touchdowns in the last three games, uh, which has really been driving up those points. Otherwise, his targets uh, were four, two, and nine in the last three weeks. Obviously, nine targets you like to see, but two targets and four targets, that doesn't do a whole lot for you. And, and granted, he caught them all, but... But still, uh, not good. The touchdown is what saved him. Uh, and I just I don't see him continuing this. Uh, Darren Waller is still the main focus of that offense as far as receiving options. Uh, you got Hunter Renfro. You got Ruggs is, is the boom guy who I think will be coming on more as the season progresses as he acclimates better to the NFL. We've seen him flash. And then Brian Edwards has been hurt essentially the entire season. Uh, so we really haven't gotten to see him. Aguilar should be most likely the fourth wide receiver on this team once it gets healthy. And really Aguilar and um, Ruggs are essentially the deep burners down the field. Who are you going to rely on? Probably your first round pick. Give him that opportunity. Uh, I can't imagine that they're they're going to keep going to Aguilar here. And I would. Tr- this is a case where I would try to trade him if you can, uh, just based off of him really doing well these last few weeks. Because I don't see this continuing. And their the Raiders their strength of schedule for wide receivers for the rest of the season is 19th uh, in the league. It's not good. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, they are a 4.5 out of 10. So that, that's, it's a very difficult matchup for them. Lower number for PFF equals a more difficult schedule. Higher number is better. So so they're on the lower end of that. They have a pretty tough schedule when it comes uh, to the wide receivers uh, with the defenses they're facing. 
I just don't like it. Get out while you can, while, while the iron is hot, as they say. Now, I have to throw something out here because I actually put out on Twitter just uh, this was two days ago because I asked is any actually this was yesterday. Is anybody out there taking Nelson Aguilar seriously for fantasy? Because when you see back-to-back-to-back weeks like that, and obviously they were emboldened by the touchdowns, mm-hmm. but when you see that, you start to go, well, fuck. I mean, the name is all, it's always a turnoff. Nelson Aguilar. Nobody wants Nelson Aguilar because what's your lasting image of Nelson Aguilar? Him dropping passes mm-hmm. in uh, Eagles playoffs game, probably. Like, that's what you have to, to look at there. Um, but I was like, well, I don't know. Is anybody? Now, I have to throw one out here to to our guy, friend of the show, Mike Fiella, who I, I threw that out, and his gift response was, uh, yeah. And I think what is relevant here with him when we're talking about this, again, so he's outperformed where we certainly thought he would. Now, you're lower on him than I am going forward, because I, I wonder if there isn't a titch of the Tyrell Williams role still available to him. Maybe even after Ruggs comes back, just it's the rookie thing and the rookie injury thing for me. So it's like, well, if I've picked him up, I'll hold him just to see. I don't know that anybody's really going to trade for him is the problem. Like typically I'd say, well, trade him off of these performances. Mm-hmm. But there's that name stench with Nelson Aguilar. I don't think you this can trade him. This is very true. Um, so I, I don't you, think you'd start him, but would you hold him? Well, you can't. You definitely can't drop them. If you can't find a trade partner, you're definitely going to hold them and use them as a bye week fill in or flex play injury, uh, uh, last minute injury fill in. Absolutely. I just, I, I mean, if you can find a trade partner, I would definitely try to do that. But yeah, you you can't drop them because he has been producing. He's an upside touchdown guy, basically. But like, mm-hmm. eh, if I got to slide him in. And Dustin, can I tell you, I have to in one of my leagues this week. I have to. Ooh. I've been so hit with injuries and bye weeks. I, I have no choice but to start Nelson Aguilar. So I'm hoping for a touchdown this week, but I'm not I'm not expecting much. Let's put it that way. Nice. All right. What do you got next? Oh, boy. We have to talk about Rob Gronkowski. Dustin, we have to do it. I honestly didn't expect Gronk's name to show up in one of our show sheets this entire season. I thought that we would just kind of be done with him. (laughs) And the first few weeks, it looked like that was on track to be the thing, where Mm -hmm. we wouldn't have to talk about Gronk because Gronk was just there. And he he wasn't getting targets. He was just just a dude who was there. He came back from uh, his... WWF stint, WWE stint, stint, sorry. And, uh, and, but now he performed. So the last two weeks, Gronk is now the tight end one. Mm-hmm. He's back to his prominence. He's got the throne over the last two weeks. Over that span, 58% of his total fantasy points from those two weeks. And so it looks like, you know, here's the guy. He's coming back. It, it's the Gronk of old. The issue with this narrative for me is that those same weeks, Mike Evans only had two targets in both of those games. Leading up to that, Mike Evans had an abundance of targets. Was he producing with them the way that we expected Mike Evans to, like, in the years of old? No, but he was getting all of those targets. Those two games, he, he dropped down. Chris Godwin was back, and it just didn't seem like Brady was looking towards Evans as much as he had in the past. So he looked to his old friend, Gronk. Now, where this gets muddier even still is that, of course, as we brought up during the whole injury segment or right afterwards, Antonio Brown, sorry to say his name once more, but he's coming back. In week nine, that's when he's eligible to scoop back up for the Bucks. So in week nine, you will have to deal with A.B. being there, whether you like it or not. 
and I do not. But you you have to deal with this, and you have to respect the fact that now they could be they could be throwing to nobody but receivers. Honestly, this could hurt Ronald Jones because Ronald Jones has been getting some dump offs, and it's been kind of nice. But Gronk himself, like, first of all, he's gotten the touchdowns, as we just talked about with Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. That's been what's been bolstering his production more than anything else. Is being, he's been getting the touchdowns these last two weeks. You're throwing in yet another red zone target for Tom Brady. I'm not buying the fact that Gronk's going to be able to continue sustaining that touchdown production. So even though the tight end landscape is always kind of bad, we talk about this every year. Mm-hmm. I think we always get really excited at the, at the beginning of the year that it's going to be better than it is. And then about now, we kind of drop down again to like, oh, fuck. Yeah, yeah, it it, it, it sinks in. Um that that the tight end it really is just a wasteland after the top view although we've had but some good surprises we've had some good surprises we, this season. well not as surprised to you is Jonu smith who i just i always have to throw that name out there anytime i can to remind people that my co-host over here uh was fucking number one fan of Jonu smith coming into this season and Thank you. lo and behold he's producing right so johnny was out johnny's back in there are enough guys still for tight end, and because tight end is such a wasteland, other managers are looking for tight ends. So here's an opportunity where you have a commodity in Gronk that other managers will likely be looking for because they need somebody. Mm-hmm. And Austin Hooper goes goes down. Maybe they didn't pick up Harrison Bryant, right? Um, the guys that they had had towards Zach Ertz goes down, and Dallas Goddard's still not available for them. There are people who need tight end. And so if you are in a position to trade him away and get a haul for it for redraft, I would absolutely do that. Mm -hmm. I'm talking specifically, like, say you need a running back and you have Gronk. There's not a hesitation in my mind, in my mind, (laughs) that you are trading Gronk away (laughs) immediately to get running back help. I agree. Uh, Jake, there's a comment here I think you have to address in the chat uh, from Josh that's not a foofy margarita, Jake. Josh. I started this episode with the Foofy Margarita. It's not my fault that the Foofy Margarita was no match for my tolerance, and I had to move on. I have since moved on, by the way, to a a pumpkin beer because we are still at the tail end of fall here. And I'm a pumpkin by guy. Dustin's not. No. Um, but I have a pumpkin lager now that I've moved on to uh, from Lakefront Brewery in Milwaukee. Um, so and, I did have the foofy margarita, Josh. And, and, and Josh, I'm going to call you out here. Uh, we are 37 minutes into our episode here. So maybe you should try to uh, join us at the beginning of the episode. Uh, and, and you would see all the greatness of Jake drinking his foofy margarita. If this mic wasn't uh, so necessary to our sound quality, I would drop it right now, but I, I can't do that. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, good take on Gronk getting back on track here. I like that a lot. Um, I am going to be talking about a tight end as well here. Um, I'm talking about Big Bob Bag of Funyuns. The biggest Bob. Can we also talk about the pronunciation? I Which know. blew my mind. It blew my fucking mind. We're Packers guys. We didn't I know. know this. No, he apparently just never needed to correct anyone or felt the need to correct anyone with it. So it's Robert Tunyon. Like Funyon. Tunyon like, oh my God. So again, shout out to Josh. Thank you for joining us on Club Fantasy. This is what we talked about. And it rhymes with Funyon, yep. right? So isn't the nickname necessarily then Tunyons of Funyons? Can we agree on that here and now? Big Bob Tunyons Funyons. 
I like Funyuns calling him Big Bob. of Funyuns. You know, I like, like calling tons him Big of fun. Bob. Okay, fine. Fi- God damn it. Fine. We'll stick with Big Bob. Well, you can call him whatever you want. I'm going to continue to call him Big Bob. All right. Okay. All right. Agree to disagree here. But all anyways, right. all right. Why is Bob overperforming? He is overperforming because he had one week where he scored 33.8 fantasy points and he scored three touchdowns in that game, uh, which has really inflated his value. Aside from that game, uh, he hasn't, I mean, he's, he's done all right. He's been much more involved, uh, surprised, at least surprised for me as a Packer fan, uh, that, that he's kind of taken that third year step this year after the last couple of seasons, not really showing a whole lot. Yeah. He was getting on the field, but it was nothing, nothing spectacular. Uh, so for him to kind of break out or having that little mini breakout, I guess you could say this year has been great to see. Uh, but yeah, since that big breakout against Atlanta, he hasn't done much. And, and, and part of that was probably due to Adams being dinged up. Uh, Adams came back this week, obviously uh, was the focal point of that offense. Uh, Rogers sure made a point to get him involved. Uh, but Big Bob only had two targets this week, only four targets the week before. Uh, really, with tight end, if you're not getting that yardage, you better be a reliable red zone target. And he isn't necessarily that. Uh Again, Adams is the focal point of that offense right now. Uh, when Aaron Jones gets back, he's going to be the number two option. Uh, he was out this last week. So while Big Bob is probably good for real NFL action, uh, for fantasy, there's probably more reliable tight ends you could snag up. I mean, he is currently tight end nine down the season. But again, going back to strength of schedule, uh, the Packers the rest of the season – 26 for tight ends with their strength of schedule. Uh, so so they have some tough matchups coming in. And then it's not like Bob Tan- Tanyan is... Uh, Tan- Tanyan? Tanyan is... Uh, you know, up in that elite tier of Kittles or Kelsey's where you know he's going to be game script proof. So uh, if you can get out from underneath him at this point, I would recommend it. But there's probably also worse options out there, too. So it's one of those things. If you have a, a second tight end on your uh, bench that maybe you play the play the better matchup for the week uh, and, and kind of flop between the two of them, if you don't want to drop him, um, I, I wouldn't suggest dropping him because he does have good upside uh, if the Packers ever you know, we're, we're in, in the red zone or the 10 zone. Uh, I, I think they would, they would start to look at him there, but the Packers, it seems like are either throwing long bombs and getting long touchdowns, or they're right up next to the goal line and giving it to Aaron Jones to punch in that way. So, uh, uh, unless you're in that happy medium there, I, I think it's going to be hard for him to be scoring touchdowns. And can I throw in a caveat here? So we're talking, of, of, of course, this is redraft focused right now, but mm-hmm. If you are a dynasty player right now, I'm not sure that Big Bob is a guy that I'd be trading. Right. I don't know that that one game did enough to propel him to a spot where you can get the kind of value back for him Mm -hmm. that hypothetically you should be. And and so I'm not trading away Bob Tunyon for a third round pick in dynasty. You know, I'm not doing that. No, same here. He's, his his arrow, I do think, is still pointing up. Mm-hmm. And it's to the credit, I think, of Aaron Rodgers, or or maybe it's just kind of blowing back in the face of those people who said Rodgers never uses his tight ends. 
It's like, well, he was not in an offense, one, that designed it that way, and his options at tight end, two, were rarely healthy mm -hmm. for an extended amount of time since Jermichael Finley. We've talked about this a bunch, but mm -hmm. now the, the problem for redraft, though, does become, yes, he's using tight ends, and he used the shit out of Bob Tunyon in that one game that Devontae Adams was missing. So Adams is back. He gets all the targets. Also, Jay Sternberger sighting. Mm -hmm. Second year tight end who we had both hoped would flash much earlier than he did. But he gets his first touchdown of the season this last week. So now it's not just Mercedes Lewis that uh, that Tunyon has to compete with. You know, 80-year-old Mercedes Lewis. He has to compete with a young guy who is now still earning the trust of Rodgers. So, yeah, I... I hoped that Tunyon would do a little bit more rest of season, mm -hmm. but I'm with you on this. Yeah. All right, Jake. Give me a hit me a hit me again. I'm gonna go back to the tight end well. Ooh. For a podcast that is reluctant to talk about tight ends most of the time. Oh, we are just they all over always it. cropped up on my radar. <laughs> when I was doing the research for this episode, they always cropped up on my radar. So here's a fun stat. Jared Cook has 14 catches on the season. He has three touchdowns out of that. Ooh. That is a 22% touchdown rate. I'm sorry. I'm going to be a little skeptical. If you are a guy who has caught 22% of your catches for touchdowns, especially on this limited amount, 14 catches overall through seven weeks with Michael Thomas missing a bunch of time, with Emmanuel Sanders missing time now recently, with Kamara even being banged up, and that's what you produce, is 14 catches. Mm -hmm. The optimist to me would say, oh, I, I guess they're focusing all their coverage on Jared Cook. That's just not true. That's just not true. They're focusing their coverage on Alvin Kamara still. You notice how I flop back and forth between Kamara and Kamara? I'm going to continue to do uh, that for the rest of my life, by the way. Same. <laughs> because I still haven't heard a definitive uh, a pronunciation of that. But I'm Jared Cook is, look, he's only a tight end two right now. He is, uh, I believe, tight end 16 on the season thus far in PPR leagues. And based on those touchdowns and the name recognition and the fact that there are dudes banged up still in the Saints offense, I think if you wanted to trade him away in redraft, you could do it based on those factors. And I think you could easily pick up a tight end who has at least that replaceable value off of the waivers or mm -hmm. again, trade, you know, kind of a low tight end who hasn't quite produced as much as you want and, and get him on your roster instead. Yeah, I agree. I like it. So question from the chat here, Jake, uh, from Mason. Thanks for joining us. Opinions on AJ Brown. <sighs> how, do, how do you see him the rest of the season here? It's tough with A.J. Brown because the last three games, he's been absolutely dynamite. And a lot of that has been long-breaking touchdown stuff. And he scored, I believe, four touchdowns the last three games. Does that sound correct? Sounds correct. But here's the thing. We saw this last year from him. It was it was always the big plays, hyper-efficient. The offense in general last year was hyper-efficient. They've really been doing the exact same thing this year without missing a beat. Uh so, yeah, while while I agree he, he does break them for those long touchdowns or long gains, that's kind of what he does and who he is. And uh, I, I personally would ride with him. I've never been the biggest A.J. Brown believer or, or supporter, but a after seeing them continue to do what they've been doing and how that offense is built, uh, I see no reason why that's going to stop. Uh, so I would yeah. ride with him the rest of this season for sure, at least in redraft. 
Let me just say to Mason and to everybody that I was so low on A.J. Brown coming into this season based on those efficiency metrics. It didn't seem practical that he would be able to do that. Talent notwithstanding, I loved the talent. I did not think that that offense could be able to sustain him to mm-hmm. where he was being drafted and what his value looked like coming into the season. And I'm just wrong. I was just flat out wrong about A.J. Brown because since he's come back from his injuries, he's been stellar. He is Tyler Lockett. Mm-hmm. That's the deal. He's the guy that you have to, and, and you you and me both now know not to bet against Tyler Lockett. I'm not betting Especially against A.J. Brown week. anymore. <laughs> yeah, I can't do it. I can't bet against A.J. Brown anymore. So from my perspective, Mason, I think you hold him if you have him. Mm-hmm. If you can get him onto your roster for a reasonable thing, you know, a good quality-ish running back, I just think you have to do it. I agree 100%. All right. So where were we? You were finishing up with Jared Cook. Nah, I'm done with Jared Cook. Jared Cook is, look, he's, Jared Cook is almost a scrub tight end for me right now. He's just been so lifted up by those, those couple of touchdowns that he's not even worth. He just, it's a PSA. Don't get caught up in the name with Jared Cook. All right, very good. So this next one here is going to be a little controversial, I think. There is a lot of hype over this, this rookie wide receiver from Pittsburgh, uh, Chase Claypool. I I honestly, I, I, I'm torn with how I feel about him uh, because what we've seen from him so far, and obviously from a dynasty aspect, he, he's the real deal. He is legit. Um, I know uh, half a season uh, a career does not make, but from what we've seen so far, it's looking very promising. And I would wish I had him on some of my rosters here. But the rest of this season, I think it's going to be a little bit of a roller coaster ride. Uh, with Chase Claypool. Now, he's the type of player, obviously, that can win you weeks if he blows up, uh, but they've been spreading the ball around so much in Pittsburgh this season that that it's hard to know who's going to be the focus every single week. Uh, after his blow-up week a couple weeks ago against Philadelphia, where he had 11 targets and those three touchdowns, he's come back down to earth a little bit. He's only had four targets and one target this last week. And, and prior to the Philadelphia game, the most targets he's ever had in a game was four. So it's not like he's being hyper-targeted. Uh, but again, he he's that type of player, as we were just talking about with A.J. Brown, where if you get the ball in his hands, anything could happen. I mean, he could take it to the house, no problem. But I think the bigger concern is they have so much talent uh, on that offense between the wide receivers. You have Juju, you have Deontay Johnson, you've got James Washington, you know, you got Claypool, you've got Connor in the backfield that can catch the ball pretty well. You, you've got um, Ebra on there as the tight end, a very athletic tight end. That Are we putting him in that same category he, with the rest of those people? He he has flashed. I mean, he had the season a couple of years ago where he was a top tight end in the league. So I'm not saying he's going to be involved every single week or is a top tight end, but he has that athletic profile where he can be a red zone target and – um, and, and really be a part of the offense given the game script. So with all those offensive weapons on there, I, I don't know that you can trust Claypool week in and week out. And I, I would have no issues if you wanted to ride with him and say, no, this is my guy. I think he is going to be more involved on a weekly basis. This, you know, last week with only one target is uh, a fluke. I'm okay with it. I, I don't care. Um, he's, I think you could still trade him for for someone that's going to give you more consistency uh, and a higher floor on a week-to-week basis. May not have the upside potential 
and the boom weeks that Claypool could have. But I just I don't see him doing what he did against Philadelphia on a more consistent basis. That I agree with. I, I think if your expectation is Philly, you have to recalibrate immediately. That That's not going to be the thing. That was a great showcase for him to say, look, I belong here and you can trust me, Ben Roethlisberger. You should throw me the ball because look what I can do with it. I think that's great. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Redraft, let's say a hypothetical trade here. If you have the opportunity to trade Chase Claypool for Mike Evans, do you make that trade? If you are getting Evans on your roster, do you make that? Because Evans, as we talked about, has underperformed recently, mm-hmm. but he's a more known commodity. Oh, I hate to bet against Mike Evans because that's just it's just not a good formula there because he's he's proved us wrong every single year uh, where they're like, oh, no, he's, you know, not going to do what he did last year. And every year he ends up being a thousand yard receiver. Uh, I would probably stick with Claypool for this season uh, in okay. redraft. Okay. I was so if you had gone the other way, I was so gonna make a beer bet with you on on the basis <laughs> of Claypool because I do I do think that there are much better games ahead for Claypool than what we saw against Tennessee. That that one catch for nothing yards, that's mm-hmm. that's also not his norm. Exactly. You have the high ends on both spectrums there. You have mm-hmm. the Philly game, you have the Tennessee game. His bread and butter is going to be in the middle for the rest of this season. Like, I think that Chase Claypool could easily be a wide receiver, too, for the rest of this year. From weeks eight forward, I think he is a wide receiver, too. That's my bold take. I could see that happening as well. But if you're expecting those big blow-up wide receiver one weeks, yeah, it might have a couple in there. But just don't expect that to be the, the norm here, at least for this season. Right on. All right, time for one more. Yeah, let's do this one quick because I got to rip this Band-Aid off. Uh, Will Fuller. God damn it, Will Fuller. So the, the beautiful thing about Will Fuller, as we've talked about in the past, is that if he is healthy, you have to start him on your fantasy lineup. You have mm-hmm. to. Will Fuller is that guy. Of, uh, the biggest thing against him is his health. He's never stayed healthy. And so, you know, from a dynasty perspective, he, it's tough. Like, I... I found it hard to try and trade for Will Fuller or hang on to Will Fuller in Dynasty Leagues because of that. Because you never know if he's actually going to stay. Is he going to stay healthy? He's missed at least five games the last three seasons. Well, now we're in week seven and Will Fuller still looks healthy. And Will Fuller's been putting up, as you'd expect, when healthy, great fucking numbers. Mm -hmm. The one issue that I see with Fuller is not only is he exceeding above expectation just based on injury, but... Ever since the Brandon Cooks coming out party from week five, once Bill O'Brien got fired, that target share is starting to shift more in favor of Brandon Cooks. So the first four weeks, it was very clearly Will Fuller. He was dominating in terms of targets, in terms of overall production. He was just the dude. Ever since then, it started to back off. So now Brandon Cooks is out targeting him 30 to 25 over these last three weeks. Brandon Cooks looks great. And not to say that Will Fuller doesn't. But if you're coasting on those first four, four weeks of production, I don't think that's a smart move. And based on the injury history and the law of averages says at some point this season, Will Fuller will get injured and you will not be able to play him anymore. So I, as a betting man here, I would go, well, I'm going to trade Will Fuller now. He's already gotten me more weeks in a row than I thought I could get from him. <laughs> Why would I not sell high on him immediately? So anyways, I don't know. I, I'm not against Will Fuller. I just think now would be a good time to get out if you wanted to or needed to. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I agree 100%. Uh, I, I'm right there with you. I've never been a big Will Fuller fan, basically because of injury. And he's one of those players, though. He does produce. If he stays healthy, you got to kind of stick with him. I don't see that. Uh, I don't see him. I, I mean, you don't hope for injury. I don't see it happening. Uh, so you got to kind of ride with him. Unless you there's someone in your league that is truly in love with him, uh, then maybe trade him away. But otherwise, I mean, he is producing okay. You know, it's he's going to have those boom weeks for you. It's just a matter of finding those weeks and hoping that he's on your starting lineup those weeks that he goes off. And it's not even for me like just boom weeks with him because even his floor this season has been good enough for me to be like, I'm not getting burned by him like you might have by Amari Cooper, let's say two years ago, Mm -hmm. where he's going to give you a goose egg. He's not goose to anybody this year. It's just, yeah, it's way different to see him at that 130 yard game with a touchdown, you know, so I, I don't know. Well, it just felt time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Who's who's your last guy that you want to talk about? All right. Yeah, we'll finish this off here tonight. Uh, I want to talk about Justin Herbert here. Uh, the kid has looked phenomenal. I know we've talked about him on, on previous episodes and how great he's looked. Uh, so this is not an anti Justin Herbert uh, take here. I'm very high on him. Wish I had him on every one of my rosters right now because uh, he looks like the real deal. Definitely missed out on him. Uh the point I want to make here is that he has been producing. Uh, he's been producing very well, especially for fantasy. Only one week under 20 points so far. Uh, and that was against the very surprising Carolina defense earlier in week two. Uh, but these last few weeks, you know, hasn't played the greatest of defenses the last two, uh, but been over 23 points at every single game. And then this last week just blew up, uh, has had 10 touchdowns to one interception over the last three weeks. The question I have is, is this going to continue as now that teams are getting more and more film on him, that defense, because defenses can do a better job game planning for him and, and throwing him off his game. Cause he is only a rookie. Uh, uh, we do know that, that until there is tape on most players, that it takes a little bit of time for defenses to catch up to that. So I, I, I have concern that this pace will continue. Uh, he has some pretty good defenses to go against yet this season as well, uh, especially within the division. He's got Kansas City again. He's got Denver twice yet. So so he's got some tough defenses to go against. I mean, obviously you can't bench him, uh, and you definitely don't want to drop him. Like you're gonna, he's gonna be in your starting lineup unless you have like a Mahomes or Lamar or something where uh, Herbert was like your second quarterback that you picked up uh, late in the draft or something. But but Jake, what do you think? Do you think he's gonna continue on this tear he's been on, or is he gonna come back down to earth a little bit uh, to more of what rookies perform at? It it's tough because when you brought up the schedule, that is what got me nervous and. I do think to a certain extent, rookie quarterbacks are tough just in their first year to be like, well, we've got enough game tape on them. We're going to completely shut them down because we mm-hmm. do, we really haven't seen that in the last couple of years with guys. And I'm not trying to equate Justin Herbert to a Lamar Jackson or to a Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. but you've seen where an entire year goes by and you expect the other shoe to drop and it doesn't drop for these guys because they're that fucking good. And it takes maybe an off season for defenses to calibrate mm-hmm. and then catch on to what they're doing. So the optimist in me says he can do it. Justin Herbert could do this for the rest of the year. I don't think I expect him to because of the defenses you talked about. And I do want to talk about the Denver defense because, holy shit, has Denver been 
really back to form of what we mm-hmm. saw a few years ago where they seem like they're just shutting people down now. Mm-hmm. And you talk about how you don't want to bench him. I'd almost be tempted to bench Herbert in those situations. Keep in mind that, especially for redraft, you would likely have somebody like a Tannehill maybe to turn back to mm-hmm. uh, or a Ben Roethlisberger or somebody like that where you could actually pivot to those dudes in those really tough matchups. In that first tough matchup, I think I would bench Herbert. I, I honestly do. I think I would bench him in that first one because I'm nervous. I'm nervous that he could get shut down by, by a defense like that. And if I have a solid option, I'd rather have that safe you know, 20-point floor than I know Herbert could get me 30-plus points, but he's also a rookie and could really stumble, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I would ride with him un- unless he hits a rough patch and then maybe pivot away for a few games until you get a more favorable matchup. Uh, but right now, he's just on fire. You love those offensive weapons that they have. Uh, just I, There's nothing to like about this, this offense moving forward here. Uh, so I would ride with him. I just wanted to bring him up as as a cautionary tale, I guess you could say, is, you know, I, I, I like I said, I don't expect him to continue at this tear producing, you know, as he has been for the remainder of the season. So I get uh, that. So quick, quick question from the chat here before we, before we uh, head out here. So is Rojo done with Fournette being back, figuring out starting him or Deontay Johnson at flex full PPR. Okay. So two questions. I would like to talk about the second part of that question first, which is, do I start him this week versus Deontay Johnson in full PPR? I, I think this is your last week where you could hope that Ronald Jones gets you. We just talked about earlier with Gronk and with AB coming in. I, I, I still do feel like, yes, Ronald Jones, especially this week um, against the New York Giants. Like, I, I, I'm not super worried about Rojo against the Giants. What sucks is you did see closer to not a 50-50 split, but maybe let's say like a 65-35 split when, uh, when Fournette came back this last week. So... Yeah, he's not going to get the touches that you were used to in those glory weeks with Ronald Jones. But he will, I still believe he can give you a, a somewhat consistent floor. He's still got plenty of rushing attempts. He got 13 rushing attempts. He got some targets. I'd still go Deontay Johnson, though. All of that said, this week, I'll take Deontay Johnson. The upside is so massive with Deontay Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yep, I am right there. Lockstep with you the entire way, Jake. Uh, now, the longer question here, is he done with Fournette being back? No. No, no. he's not done. It, it's going to be a backfield by committee here, and it's it's going to be a split between him, between the two of them, and even with Keyshawn Vaughn getting sprinkled in there a little bit. Are you really worried about Keyshawn coming in at this point to, to take over? Like, would it be third down roll, I guess, that you're most nervous about? I think he's going to get sprinkled in enough that it's it's going to muddy the waters a bit where you, you can't say it's going to be like a 60-40 split between Rojo and Fournette. Like, like Keyshawn, I think, will get enough snaps that, that it's just it, it's going to just muddy that backfield a little bit more than we probably need. And I will, I agree with that because I'm just looking up Ronald Jones snap counts right now. And from week four, he had a, a, a great stretch there with Fournette being out. Mm-hmm. He had a great uh, couple of games, or, or he was, Fournette was out or dinged up. Let's put it that way. Week four, where he was hovering around that mid 60% snap count. And then 
Fournette comes back week seven, down to 43% snap count. That is that is concerning. Um, so long-term, man, yeah. Maybe Rojo is actually a great example of a sell-high candidate at this point. Would you agree with that? Maybe. If, if, if you have a Rojo believer out there, you could sell high on him, but... I don't know how many of uh, how many of those are out there in the wild. It's like, well, I mean, he hey, he made a doubter, a, a former doubter of me, into a believer mm-hmm. while Fournette was gone. So there might be other other dudes like me out there who would who would do that. Uh, or you hold on to him and you still start him in your mm-hmm. flex at the at the least right. every week. Yeah, I agree. All right, so Jake, we had our beer bet last week. Uh, Fuck, we have to talk about this? Yes, we do. I won. Fine. So so the beer bet was Joe Burrow outscores Baker Mayfield in a head-to-head matchup last week. Uh, I, I squeaked it out. Joe Burrow squeaked it out barely, barely. I mean, we were Baker sweating this. Baker Mayfield throws for five touchdowns, and Joe Burrow still bests him. I mean, that's impressive. That's yeah, impressive. I mean, it literally came down to that last drive, whether uh, it was going to happen or not. We were... Uh, trying to refresh our phones and and hoping Red Zone was going to focus on that game uh, just because it was so close for this this bet here. Uh, but ultimately, I did pull it off. So uh, there will be payments coming up into the future. Uh, Jake, do you have a beer bet for this next week? Something you want to throw out there since since you were the loser this last time? Oh, first of all, thank you for the deference and, and giving me this option to put forth a, a bet for the week. Given the annihilation that I got, no, yes. this honestly, this bet reminded me so much. Do you remember last year uh, of our Marvin Jones bet, where mm-hmm. it was over the course of two weeks that mm-hmm. he had to score or he had to put up like 150 yards or something mm-hmm. like that. Yep. And it was down to the last minute of yeah, that yeah. second game, oh, yeah. whether or not he was going to do it. Remember how exciting that was? That was. This had that similar type of feel. It so really I, did. I just. I loved that we put together such a good mm-hmm. close beer bet because those are my favorite. Yeah. Even if I lost, it's my favorite to have something that that's close to track. So, uh, first of all, kudos. I didn't say it. Very job well done. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank that. you. Now, initially, I, I wanted to throw out uh, a, a beer bet about Chase Claypool because when I saw his name pop up on your overperformance, I was like, oh, here we go. This is where I'm going to rope Dustin in. Instead, I'm going to pivot to a Nelson Aguilar beer bet and this is gonna feel gross to put nelson aguilar into a beer bet okay but i want to do i want to do it with you okay all right so so come with me on this journey through the first seven weeks and you talked about you threw out all the stats so i'm not going to do any of that for you Mm -hmm. but in a full ppr league nelson aguilar has been let me track exactly where he's been because this is going to be my cutoff line he's been the wide receiver 47 Okay. Through seven weeks. Okay. On total, I expect him to at least stay at wide receiver receiver 47 at the end of the year. Are you willing to take that bet? So he'll be 47 or higher come the end of the season? That's right. I will take that bet. We got one! We did it! All right. I love it. I just, I think there's enough, again, of that Tyrell Williams-ish role that I, I want to chance it. Let's put it that I want to fucking chance it. This is fun to, uh, to have a gross beer bet about a guy like this. I am, I'm typing it into the show doc here right now. So we do not forget. 
I appreciate that. I've I've been known to forget these things. We were just talking this weekend. I forgot about. I, thank you, Josh, in the chat. He said betting on Nelson Aguilar just shows how much Jake likes to drink. <laughs> I was just about to say over the course of this weekend, as we were watching these games and coming up with the idea for this week's show, I had a brilliant idea for the show. And then come uh, Monday, Dustin's like, "Hey, what what was the topic going to be?" And it completely. Uh, slip my mind, but you came back with it, and it is the topic for this show. Yeah, yeah, a little um, look behind the curtains there, folks, of of what this show really is all about. <laughs> I was just thinking, you know, we should have written it down at that point. That would have been very, very good of us. It but I'm glad that you put it in. Yeah, I'm glad you put it in. All right, so I think that will pretty much do it for this week, unless you have anything else to add here, Jake. No, can I? Can we go through a real quick preview of the week eight uh, matchups, though? Sure. Any, sure. any in particular you want to highlight here? Oh, yes, yes, yes. The one game that I'm very much looking forward to from a fantasy spectacle, and you can tell me that I'm fucking crazy for this, but it is the Cowboys versus the Eagles. The worst of the worst of NFL, and the NFC East is such a fucking trash heap. But this game, for fantasy purposes, I think is going to tell us so much about what to expect going forward. Uh, one, fire up your Eagles for this week. You just have to, especially Eagles wide receivers. If you mm. thought you were going to sit Travis Fulgham to be cute, don't fucking do that. <laughs> uh, anybody that you have for an Eagle, you have to fire them up. But honestly, mm-hmm. it's just like, how do the Cowboys respond? Is uh, is Mike McCarthy actually going to be able to, to corral his group and make them usable? Because if, let's say if Zeke Elliott is not usable this week, I'm on full alert. Like, I'll trade him, drop him, not drop him, but I will trade the shit out of Zeke if he does not produce this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, I think we talked about it a little bit in the offseason uh, as Mike McCarthy was the former Packers head coach. We, for years, were like, why aren't they using the, why isn't he using his running back? Like, we saw with Aaron Jones for two years. We were like, Free Aaron Jones. Like, let's let's use him. He's obviously talented. You know, let, let's get him involved. And for whatever reason, he doesn't like to involve his running backs and use them in that workhorse mentality. I don't know what it is. And, and, we've, and we've seen the same with Zeke so far this year where he hasn't had that involvement that we were used to seeing out of him. And, and I don't know why. I don't know what McCarthy has against running backs. Zeke also has the look of a guy who's quit. At this point, doesn't he just like I was watching those games? It just feels like Zeke like got his contract and it's like mm-hmm. fuck all the like. There's too much extracurriculars. There's too much obviously Dak being out, and it just feels like he's counting the team out and doesn't want to risk injury at this point. So I'm curious if Tony Pollard gets more work. That's Maybe, what I'm watching. Uh, but really, with the rate this division is going, uh, six and ten team could make the playoffs. So I mean, it's not like they're out of the playoff picture here by any stretch of the imagination. So, yeah, it's be interesting to see. I like that call, uh, just strictly from the fantasy perspective. Right. Um, if I had to pick one game, I really want to watch, and this is going to sound cliche, uh, just because it is like the marquee game of the week, but it is that Steelers Ravens game. Uh, yeah. Even from a fantasy perspective, because they're they're both very dominant defenses, is it going to be a defensive matchup where it's like a nine to three game or something, or is it going to be totally opposite where 
defenses don't matter and the offenses just go crazy and it's like a shootout like 39 to 37 at the end and all we see is fantasy points all over the board uh it could really go either way i mean with those two teams uh it wouldn't surprise me uh because there is a lot of fantasy relevant players on on both teams so uh i know that's kind of the easy low-hanging fruit there because yeah and they both got really great records you know so that, that should be a fun one to watch. I think this has shootout potential written over it. I think this is a great call for you. I think this is deceptive. A, the Ravens' defense has not been as good as people. You look at that name and you just expect that they've been, like, shutting everybody down. And they really haven't. They've been pretty middle of the road against quarterbacks. Ben Roethlisberger, I, you talk about these kind of, like, heated games, mm-hmm. which is what this is. Ben Roethlisberger could go off. And that's why I was excited to start Deontay Johnson this week, honestly. So I fucking love this call. <laughs> All right. Well, good. Any others you want to talk about here? Nah. No? All right. Well, we will end it there. Uh, Just your weekly bi-week reminder, folks. You've got the Washington football team, the Cardinals, the Jags, and the Texans all on by this week. So please do not have them in your starting lineup. They will get you zero points. And depending on your scoring format... That could be better than than uh, <laughs> negative points from whatever player you have in there. So uh, that's your weekly reminder, folks. And please, please, please go out, follow us on Twitter, at Drinking Fantasy. We love the interactions with you all. And give us a rate and review on Apple iTunes, whatever podcast application that you listen to your podcast on. We do appreciate it. We love the support. Uh and Jake. make it an honest one, too. If you're going to review us, be honest. I don't want this bullshit. You give us a five-star because you're a listener and, and you know, oh, we just want five-star reviews. Be honest here. Give us an honest rating. That's right. If anything, we'll just delete the one-star reviews. So I'm kidding. We won't do that. Uh, that's We're not that. I don't we, even we know don't, if we can. We don't, we're, we're not those type of uh, podcasting hosts here. Uh, <laughs> but, Jake, tell folks where they can find you. You can find me at Jake Trowbridge on Twitter, just being an all-around dipshit. And you can find me at FFDustyDog. And until next week, folks, keep drinking and talking fantasy football. Cheers, FFers. Cheers, FFers.